I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Bounce, bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Everything has been about bouncing back the past three months at the University of Miami. The beauty of sports is that you get to hit the reset button after a tough season, and that is especially the case in college football. Manny Diaz has received a mulligan after the disaster that was 2019, and he is doing his best to make the most of it. From the hiring of new offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley, the new offensive position coaches, the installation of a new up-tempo spread offense, to the hiring of Ed Reed as chief of staff, Diaz has created a fresh mindset at the U that you can feel every single minute that you are around the program. It was a really good week. Um, you know, four days out of five, um, playing at the pace that we play at. Um, when, when in spring ball, you're, you're not going to have the depth and the numbers that you will have in the fall. Our guys, our guys are in good shape. Our guys have competed. Um, it's been hard. The coaches have been relentless in terms of uh, getting after them. Um, and the encouraging thing is I think they understand the expectation now of how we're going to play because this is not an offensive thing. This changes everything in your program. And uh, I think they're enjoying it. And I think today's practice, we did some, we did some live work today, uh, full tackling to the ground. We did some move the ball situational stuff. And, and I think the guys are seeing, um, you know, there's a different edge about us. There's certainly a different edge about us offensively, and, and that will do nothing but get us better defensively. What I know is this, is, is I know they're competing, you know, and what's happening now is they, in essence, have no choice because, you know, for this thing to work, I mean, they, the, the gas pedal's got to get pushed down all the way. And anyone who doesn't have a push down all the way is now completely obvious to not just the coaches, but to the rest of their teammates. So one of the great things about what we're doing is it puts the pressure up on everybody and it's such a high intensity operation now, it's, it's very hard for a guy to not bring it every day. Um, and like I said, I think the most rewarding thing after week one is that no one seems to be shying away from that. Well, the learning is where it begins, because if you think you know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing, um, because it comes at you so fast. And so um, you can see our younger players, our more inexperienced players. I mean, it, it, is, it is a real challenge for them, because when you nod your head in the meeting room, and, and, which is great, though, because what it's going to do is going to force them to, to get more into their playbooks. It's going to force them to watch film on their own. Um, it's going to force them to ask better questions in the meeting room because they come out here, um, like I said, today and some of the drills we did today. And, and young guys are going to always get exposed, but in this deal, it looks really, really bad. So it's been really good for them. Um, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a chaos that we're so used to playing in um, that when we get in the games, our games are easy. It's just, it, it's different for two reasons. It's just different because of the people we have here. Because, of course, everything this time last year would have been positive and hooray and, and whatever else. That, that, and, and guess what? There's 130 teams playing spring ball right now, and no one's talking about we're going to find a way to go 0-12, right? I mean, everybody's got some sense of optimism. It's like baseball starting, right? That's what April always is in, in Major League Baseball. So I get all that. It's, um, but, but what I keep coming back to is that there's just not the same people here. That there were last year. So it is what, however it appears on the surface, it's just different. And the people that are here can feel the difference because they know they're around a different style of people. Now, there's no question that what's happening offensively and, the, and what's happening in terms of the pace of play at practice changes everything. You know, every guy in the locker room would tell you we're not playing the same sport 
we played a year ago. Um, and again, it's not going to be the scheme that saves us. It's not going to be the magical plays that save us. It's going to be the, 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 the young men we have, the decisions that they make, and, the, and the, the how that we play with. And I think that's the coolest thing what we're doing now is you have to force the how because it doesn't work at half speed. It's got to be done with all you have at all times, and, and I think that would be the biggest difference. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back, bounce, bounce back. Bounce, bounce back, bounce, bounce back. I'm about to bounce back. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented by Sicilian Oven Restaurants with those six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, even when it's not football season, you will continue to not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. Um, know everybody's a little distracted these days by the coronavirus and obviously very understandable. It's disrupted all of our lives. Um, and I don't expect tonight's show to go the full three hours like we usually do during football season, but I felt it was important that we at least get a show going and, and, and catch back up on everything and, and give people something to listen to at their leisure. So, um, We'll be doing that this evening. The call-in number, as always, is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. That's the number one. Uh, plenty of phone lines and uh, room for everybody to call in and participate. And uh, we once again asked the subscribers at canesport.com to post some of the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And uh, I'll be addressing uh, those during the course of the show in, in, in a little bit. But just to set the stage, it, it's been a little while since we last met here on Canesport Live. And that was by design. You know, I, I, I felt like it, it was a good idea to give everybody a little bit of a cooling off period and a chance to absorb everything that's been going on with the hurricane since they walked out of Shreveport, astonishing losers to Louisiana Tech, um, concluding just an absolutely unfathomable six and seven season that I think had so many of us, you know, myself absolutely included, totally rattled. Uh, you know, let, let, let's be honest. I mean, who in the world expected that season to go the way it did? And, and none of us did. And losing to FIU, Louisiana Tech, um, created just an enormous amount of, of, of feelings amongst everybody. And um, it, it was a very turbulent time in hurricane football land uh, those couple days and weeks after the bowl game loss and, and, and the way those final weeks of the season went. Um, a lot of anger, a lot of opinions expressed, and um, we've talked about that. Every emotion that everybody had was unquestionably totally justified and warranted. And I do believe that the expression of it and, and the openness at which ideas were exchanged um, were proponents in – um, change 
and, and there's been a lot of change. And, and uh, I, I give Manny Diaz an enormous amount of credit because, let's face it, he had the opportunity of a lifetime getting the University of Miami head coaching job, and it did not in any way, shape, or form go the way that you know that he had dreamed about for his entire life. Everybody wants to get to the top of their profession. Every single, every single one of us, everybody out there wants to get to the top of their profession. And this absolutely unquestionably did not go as planned in 2019. But to Manny's credit, he didn't dig a hole and, and, and plant his feet in cement and be stubborn and say, I got this, this is, we're doing this my way, and that's it. And everybody just deal with it. Um, he owned it. He acknowledged the failure. He was introspective from my viewpoint as to what created that failure and some of the things that were responsible for it. And then he rolled up his sleeves and went to work and started making changes. And um, there really has been so much for us to absorb the last few months, beginning December 27th, when Dan Enos was fired as offensive coordinator. And it was an obvious move. I mean, Dan Enos' time at Miami, which began with so much fanfare and high hopes, was a colossal failure. I mean, there's no, no way to sugarcoat what happened. Now, it probably was not all his fault. Okay, I would say that Manny probably was not as thorough as he needed to be in hiring Enos, largely because he did not have his absolute pick of the litter when it came to looking for an offensive coordinator after he got the head coaching job. And I would say that Enos might have been a little hasty in exiting Alabama and did not do a proper analysis of whether his offensive philosophies would work with the personnel on Miami's roster. So after the way it went, how bad it got down towards the end, the, 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 the thing that struck me the most was just the lack of respect in the quarterback room. I, I mean, you've got a new quarterbacks coach with this great reputation. Uh, he, he's been working with Tua and Jalen Hurts at Alabama, and now he's coming to Miami. He's the offensive coordinator, and he's building around you guys in this quarterbacks room. And the best that you can do is get suspended, blow curfews, miss practices. Um, you know, go on and on and on. I mean, that right there alone tells you that a change needed to be made, and that's before you even get into all the other problems that they had offensively. So moving on was an absolute no-brainer. I don't think anybody was shocked when Dan Enos was fired. Okay? Uh, a week or so later, Rhett Lashley was hired as the offensive coordinator and the new coach of the quarterbacks. And, um, so the first question you ask is, why was Lashley available to Manny Diaz? Well, I mean, he'd gone from Auburn, where he was working under Gus Malzahn, and things went a little bit sideways, and it was time for him to make a move. Then he went to UConn, and then after UConn, he went to SMU, and these are in successive football seasons. So that, that's three jobs in, in, in three years. And now Miami is his fourth job in four years. Uh, that's not the blueprint for any coach. Okay. Let's be honest. Um, but for Lashley, 
I think it was time to move back into the big leagues. Uh, he had reasonable success at SMU last year, and that set the table for him to get the opportunity at Miami. And it, it made sense for him to make that move. This puts him back in the game, so to speak. You're not in the game at SMU. I don't care what anybody says. No disrespect to the people in Dallas. Okay, If you're Rhett Lashley and you've been on the big stage at Auburn and that's where you want to be, you're not there at SMU. Okay, so this made total 100% sense. And uh, most significantly, I think he gave Manny Diaz the seismic reboot that clearly was necessary under the circumstances. Um, I mean, he's in the midst of installing an up-tempo spread offense that's going to be unlike anything that we've ever seen at Miami. You know, we're so used to, from, from all the way beginning with Howard back in 1979, um, really before that with Lou Saban and, uh, you know, all through these years when Gary Stevens was running the offense for Jimmy Johnson and, you know, on and on and on and Larry Coker for Butch Davis and um, the Al Golden years with James Coley and everything else. Like we're, we, we've all we've seen is the you know, pro style type offense um, here at Miami. So, th- so this like up-tempo spread is going to be unlike anything that, that, that we've ever seen. And um with Lashley calling the shots, you're going to see a rapid-fire succession of plays that are going to test opposing defenses in a little bit of a different way than the great Miami offenses of the past that used to just overwhelm people with their talent, particularly at skill positions. Uh, this is going to be a little different. Uh, I don't think anything's changed. Miami is not loaded personnel-wise at skill positions. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Eric King, obviously, the de- definite upgrade at quarterback. I think the talent at receiver and running back is pretty comparable to what it's been. Uh, you know, I mean, Jalen Knighton as a freshman is showing some promise. Maybe he'll develop and turn out to be a great running back. Uh, but, you know, Miami's not going to overwhelm anybody with their personnel. They're just not. Okay. But they're going to put pressure on the opposing defense in a different way. Uh, is it going to work? I, I think that's going to depend on the execution of it. Uh, you know, if you're giving up sacks like they did last year, no offense is going to work. Okay. I don't care what you're running. Um, third down and 15 is still third down and 15. Okay. And football always comes down execution and personnel and their performance. And if winning were as simple as running an up-tempo spread offense, then everybody in football at every single level would be running an up-tempo spread offense. And half of those teams would still lose at the end of the day because there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. But Manny Diaz had to try something different here. And I think this move to Rhett Lashley and his way of doing things absolutely has to be considered a grand slam home run at this point in the game. If for nothing else, just because of the excitement that it's generating. And it, it's, it's kind of like invigorated the team. It's, 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 it's invigorated the fan base. Um, there's a, so many different reasons uh, for why that this move has to be considered just an absolute grand slam at this point. All right, so then the offensive staff was altered. You had Garen Justice come in as offensive line coach. Rob Likens come in as receiver coach. Uh, time will tell if those guys can make an impact in recruiting. But they're experienced football coaches. And the guys that they replaced, Butch Barry and Taylor Stubblefield, were not making big impacts in recruiting themselves. So 
I don't think you're going backwards by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that moves out, works out. But uh, so then it's time to hit the transfer portal. And after correcting the kicking issues by replacing Bubba Baxa with Jose Borgales and fortifying an already very strong defensive end position with uh, Temple sack standout Quincy Roche, Diaz and staff made their biggest acquisition of all, and that was De'Ara King from Houston. Um, great acquisition. King's small, no doubt about it. He's listed at 5'11", probably he's really more like 5'10". But he's a kid that's crazy athletic. He's very exciting and is a better passer than you might think just because you're thinking of him as an athletic quarterback who's going to run around a lot. Um, he's not a guy that you're going to see at the top of the NFL draft next year, let's be honest. But let me tell you this. Do not underestimate how big of a pickup this was from a maturity and leadership standpoint and his capability to extend Manny Diaz's career as a head coach by helping Miami put up a respectable season in 2020. Because De'Ara King can do that. He is miles ahead of Jaron Williams, who has since departed, and he's miles ahead of Nicozy Perry and Tate Martell. He gives the Hurricanes a chance this season, especially when you look at the very manageable schedule that lies ahead. And more than anything, he gives you a reason to go to the stadium this fall. So many people talking about, I'm not renewing my tickets, you know, this and that. Derek King coming into the hurricane fold gives you a reason to go to the stadium. You got seven home games this fall. Miami football is going to be an ex- exciting and entertaining product. It doesn't mean they're going to win every single game. They went six and seven last year. It doesn't mean they're going to go 12 and 0 just because they picked up the Eric King. But there certainly is no reason that the Canes can't contend to get to Charlotte in 2020. And I know that's what everybody listening tonight and everybody in the whole Canes nation is going to be looking for, regardless of what happened last year. Because it is a new season, and there are new faces in many places, and the reset button has been hit. So then the last major move that Diaz made, as everybody knows, was enticing Ed Reed to become more involved in the program. And um, up to that point, Myself and many others, including some of the top boosters that exist in the Miami program, have been calling for Blake James and Manny Diaz to hire Alonzo Highsmith in an administrative role in the athletic department. And um, Blake James was prepared to make that move. Manny Diaz nixed it. He wanted to go his own way. I personally still think they should have made the Highsmith move in addition to the Ed Reed move, I think they bring two totally different skill sets and things to the table. And I think Alonzo could have helped in so many ways if the goal of the program is to once again be one of the best programs in the country. And there's a lot of improvement to be made in things like community relationships, the recruiting mechanisms and processes within the football program that Alonzo Highsmith could have really helped with. And I still think it was a huge mistake to not make that move, but it wasn't made. Um, So time to move on and see how things go from here. But Ed Reed around the program more often in any role whatsoever. And I wouldn't get too hung up on whether he's there every day. He's not going to be there every day. Ed Reed has other commitments. It's not, you know, I don't don't know if they're considering it a full-time job or not, but he's not going to be there every day. Don't have that expectation. It's irrelevant. Okay, Ed Reed around it all in any role is nothing but a major positive. And um, 
As for Highsmith, he's now working as a consultant with the Seattle Seahawks while he's still being paid for his job as the director of player personnel for the Cleveland Browns, which just underwent a lot of upheaval in their front office. So, you know, Alonzo's fine. He's still in the NFL doing his thing. Um, would have loved to see him with the Hurricanes. Who knows what the future holds in that regard. Uh, maybe somebody will change their minds at some point. I think he could be a big asset. Um, but some of the community effort will be picked up by uh, Telly Lockett, who has been hired as an offensive analyst. Um, I'm not going to oversell this to you. I don't think that this is a program-altering move. But what it does do is it it appeases a constituency out there in the community, uh, led pr- primarily by Luther Campbell, let's be honest, um, and shows that moves are being made to reach out to the Miami football community, um, the inner city community of Miami, by bringing one of their coaches into the program. Um, Lockett's a former coach at Miami Central and Miami Northwestern. He most recently was on Willie Taggart's staff at, at Florida State. And we'll just have to see what kind of impact that he can make as time goes up by. And before we get going here on a side note, the Hurricanes are also now dealing with this coronavirus shutdown. The ACC announced today that everything is stopped for all member schools for the next few months in terms of competition and practices. So the, the baseball season's over. Spring practice as we know it is over. Uh, no decisions have been made about football practice this summer and what that schedule might look like. It does seem logical to me that there has to be some kind of expansion beyond the traditional four weeks of fall camp to allow football teams to adequately and properly get ready for the 2020 season. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. And, you know, with, with Lashley installing a new offensive system, you know, obviously a stoppage of spring practice was a big blow for Diaz and the entire staff as well as the players. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see what the recruiting policies end up being moving forward and how it impacts kids visiting the Miami campus as well as other schools around the country. So, so much to talk about. Um, I want to get out to your calls and get you guys involved. The number, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Don't be bashful. We want to hear from some first-time callers tonight. I'm sure some of our regulars are, are out doing other things. They're not you know, used to coming to Kane Sport Live on Tuesday nights. Great chance for some other people to have a voice this evening. Um, so 563-999-3633, you hit the number one on your keypad once you're on the line if you'd like to come on the show. So let's begin tonight by going out to the 305, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Good, Gary. How are you? Who's this, Adam? Yeah. Sorry, hey, not. how about that, man? It's been a few months, but I still recognize the voice. How are you doing, yeah. man? How are you doing? I'm doing, doing good. Doing good. Um, a couple questions. One, I know Manny didn't name the Eric King, but is that a foregone conclusion? Because he said, I'm, I think, some way, somewhere during camp that he hadn't yet named a starter yet. I mean, how could it not be a foregone conclusion? I mean, you know, he's clearly the best guy. They didn't, you know, he, he's got all the experience that you could want. He came, he came here from Houston as a grad transfer. I hope you don't have coronavirus there, Adam, with that cough. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't. oh, good, thank goodness. But um, yeah, you see, Kevin Kevin Durant 
has coronavirus. That's kind of yeah, I know. I saw um, as did a lot of others. It's spreading. And but um, but no, how? Yeah, how how can King not be the starter? I mean, I I, uh, I don't see any any way of that not happening. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm well, going to continue to assume I, he will be. Okay, I mean, he didn't. Uh, Manny didn't name the starter. He said they're all fighting, and obviously he should say that. But I was wondering if privately um, Manny was preparing that King's going to be the starter going forward. I got to think he is. Yeah. Okay, and any word on if um, I know Jaron Williams entered his name in the portal, and that's a foregone conclusion. Any word on if like Nicosi's going to transfer? You know, I don't think we'll know that till after spring practice. Um, okay. I think at this point it makes the most sense for Nicosi to graduate, and then if he's not the starting quarterback, but you know, at that point, then maybe transfer for a final year somewhere else. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's one play yeah. away from being the quarterback. I mean, you know, De'Ara King is a is a guy that runs around a lot. I, I mean, he yeah. you know the, the chances of him him getting nicked up at some point, uh, you know, are certainly there. And I would think that the proper move for Nicosi um, would be to stick it out. But you know, we'll have to see. You know, now that spring practice is out. Yeah, you know, you don't really, you don't really have a, a, a real good read, but I, I got to think he'll be here for this season. Okay, um, and a couple other things. One, um, do you see Avante Williams seeing the field this year, or will he be a red shirt? I see him seeing the field on special teams. Uh, okay, so you know, I, I, I don't necessarily see him walking in and being one of the top three safeties. You know, they, they, they got three experienced guys there uh, with. With uh, Gervin Hall, uh, Mari Carter, and Bubba Bolden, so yeah. you know I, I I see him contributing on special teams, maybe occasionally getting in a game, but no, I don't see them counting on him, especially you know coming in a few weeks before the season starts and and being ready to play significant okay. minutes. I'd be shocked. Okay. Because that was one in line with my next question. Who was the most likely, like, true freshman would you see who would be seeing the field? Would it be, like, a Knighton or Chaney? Uh, I think Knighton. Knighton for sure. Um, Looks okay. to me like, like like he's in line for that that type of responsibility. He's, he's, he's a really talented kid. And, you know, it's funny. When I watched Knighton's junior film yeah. – I, I remember saying on the message boards that this kid is a must-get for Miami. I was so, okay. so, so impressed with him. And, and he never really elevated to that to quite the level of recruit that I expected him to. Um, yeah. But, but uh, a very good player. He's looked, he looked very good in the few days that they had practices. And, um, you know, I think he's got a great chance to play quite a bit next year. Uh, a guy that you won't, you wouldn't really think about that I would keep an eye on is uh, Keyshawn Smith, the wide receiver from, uh, from San Diego. Uh, he, he kind of popped to me a little bit in the, uh, in the first uh, few days of spring. Um, I think Dazzlin Worsham, another wide receiver, has a chance to play um, relatively early. Um, you know, the freshman linebackers are missing 
uh, you know, they missed the first few yeah. days of spring practice. I don't know how much practice they're going to get to have this summer. We'll have to see what happens with those guys. Um, Jalen Rivers needs to lose some weight before he's really a factor. I think you'll see Xavier Restrepo this fall for sure. Um, he's got a great chance to play quite a bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes from here. Chaney's been kind of banged up, so I don't know what the future holds for him. But Knighton, to me, is the one guy that, that really popped that, that I think that you could expect to, uh, to see quite a bit of this fall. Yeah, and I was thinking they're probably going to reach a redshirt Chance Williams, right? Because he would be I think so. behind Phillips. Okay. Yeah, they don't need because Chance Williams this year. Like, yeah, it seems like we're stacked at the end, at least, with Rose, Jen Rousseau, and then Jalen Phillips, I heard, has been playing really well in this spring practice. And would they use him as like a hybrid outside linebacker uh, sort of the end? I, I think that they'll have a, they'll have, they'll be rotating those guys. And I think in passing situations, all, all three will be on the field. Okay. So we could see like Jalen Phillips as like a hybrid D end outside linebacker. I don't think, I don't think they that. need to, no, I don't know. You know, you, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, about whether they might feel the need to get creative like that with the with the inexperience that they have at linebacker. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, it, it seems like, you know, we, we could see a little bit more of that maybe than we've seen in the past. Um, but okay. the biggest thing I think that they're going to look to do is get all three of those guys on the field together in passing situations. And that could be oh, okay. second, and, um, second and or third down. Oh, and a couple last things on recruiting. One, do you see Thad Franklin sticking? Because he committed once, decommitted, and then recommitted. Like within, you know, who knows with these guys? You know, there's there's no there's yeah. there's no way to there's no way to really know what what he's going to do. Okay. Um, right now, you would think committing for the second time that he'd be pretty solid. Yeah. But. Yeah, and then um, are there any commits? I know with this coronavirus, everything's at a standstill. But do you see any, like, potential commits like this kid, Ryan Rodriguez, out of Columbus, or any people that um, UM fans should be on, like, commit watch for or early commitment? Um, I, I think they're doing pretty well with him. But here's what I think, okay? Uh, I think the coaches are not going to be in a rush to take a million commitments here early. Um, I, I think that... There's a recognition that the talent level in the program needs needs to get better, but mm-hmm. I think there's all, but I think that that's got to meet a reality that it's not going to get better unless they win. So I, I okay. think the strategy going forward is, you know, the schedule is very favorable. I think that they are going to hope to get off to a big start and, and win the beat Temple, beat Michigan State. Um, and get some momentum going into the ACC season. And I think they're going to hope that they can put up a really good year next year with the Eric King coming in with the schedule being very manageable, that they can put together a really good year next year that might allow them to get in the game for some better players. I mean, you know, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the program has not been recruiting at a level that will allow it to be, to be Clemson, to compete to make the college football playoff and get back to competing for championships. It really has not been close to that. Okay, and I think going six and seven last year may have created a little bit of a better understanding that the way they've been doing business is just not going to work. And uh, so I don't know that they're going to be in a hurry 
this year to load up on a bunch of commitments of, of guys that are, you know, not necessarily top-tier talents. I think they're going to hope to get in the game with, with some better players. And whether they can do that or not, we'll see what happens. But we're not seeing the usual rush to load up the recruiting class. I mean, they've already got, I think, what, nine commits, I think it is? Um, yeah. Um, for, for next year, I mean, that's a lot. So, you know, they, they've, they've already got a, bun, you know, a bunch of guys committed already, and I'm not sure that any of them on the list are real, really considered elite, elite talents. So they got to be really okay. careful. They got to be, in my opinion, they got to be careful. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, the, you know, you can't get 15, 16, 17, 18 deep into this recruiting class at this point in the game um, with the level of guys that they can get commitments from right now. That's my opinion. I, I think they should take their okay. time. Okay, and last thing, one, have you seen a difference really between Darren Justice and Butch Berry and Rob Likens and um, Taylor Stubblefield just as the way they it, do things? And it's too, it's, it's really, honestly, Adam, I mean, it's way too soon in the game to start to, to make those kind of comparisons. I mean, we, we've seen them out there for, for parts of, of, of a couple practices. We got to see one entire practice. Um, I don't see anything alarming, I'll tell you that. Like, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't come here and say, oh, geez, this is a big problem. No, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're experienced football coaches, uh, and, and they're going to they're gonna be fine. Uh, you know, I don't, think, I don't think we're winning or losing games based on, you know, what the, any major upgrade at those two spots. I mean, we're going to win or lose games based on what Rhett Lashley can get done. I mean that's where yeah. that's where the upgrade needs to be apparent, and um, you know so we'll see what happens there. But you know these guys are they're experienced football coaches. They're not going to be a problem in any way. Uh, the big question with them will be can they impact recruiting, and that we don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for um, taking my call, Gary. Stay safe, and then enjoy the rest of the show. All right, Adam. Thanks for being part of it, man. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show, let's go out to the 239. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, Greg? That's you, man. That's you. Who's this? This is Joe Four Myers. Well, in Naples now. Hey, what's up, Joe? Welcome to the show. What you got for us? Well, you know, it's been crazy, no sports on and all that. But uh, looking to the season and, and just the previous caller who mentioned the old atmosphere of the coaches, um, the whole vibe, just in general, um, can can you touch on that? Like when you're at comp, uh, you know, on, on the campus and and compared to, to, to previous years, more, more, you know, do you get anything anything different or is it all business as usual? Oh no, it's it's very different, very very different. Um, you know, here's the thing: by going to the up tempo offense, it has brought just a greater energy to, to the practice field because you know guys are moving very fast. They're getting in and out of plays in like ten seconds. It, it, it puts a, a burden on the defense. The defense has to be on their toes. Uh, so everybody's got to be very engaged in what's going on on the practice field. So this has created a very obvious energy, which I think is really good. And um, 
I can't say that it's going to be better because we don't know that. Uh, you know, we got to see it when the games start and see it better. But in in terms of vibe and energy uh, on the practice field, it, it definitely has brought some more juice to the situation without question. And for that reason alone, I, I, I think, you know, it, that's a, obviously a very positive thing. Okay. Now, as, as a fan standpoint, uh, I've drank the Kool-Aid. You know, I bought into the system. You know, I bought into the process. You know, the building blocks, brick by brick, um, the process, and more process. So as a fan standpoint, um, you know, there's a little bit of me who, who, you know, I've taken the leap. I want to give Manny another chance, and I'm excited about – you know, the new offense and the, and the fast tempo king and, and all that. But, you know, it's just like being cheated on. You just can't trust that girlfriend anymore. You know, there's like a <laughs> sense of, uh, so are, are you feeling that or is it, is it myself? Um, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I, 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 like I said earlier, I, I, I like the lack of denial. I, you know, I, I like the acknowledgement that things needed to change, and I, I really like the the attempts that Manny made to change and and to do things somewhat differently, and I think that's all a positive, and I and I and I think it's it's been a great thing for the fan base because, you know, like like you described yourself. I think everybody wants to drink the Kool Aid. Like nobody wants to sit here and believe that their team is not competitive. Um, nobody wants to deal with the embarrassment of losing to Florida International University. Um, total mad respect for Butch Davis, who I've known for so long and has did so many great things in Miami and, and elsewhere. Um, and he did, he, he did an absolutely magnificent job getting his team ready for that game and, and, and they won or whatever. But from the University of Miami standpoint, that, that was total humiliation. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. Um, so, like, nobody wants to deal with that. I think everybody wants to believe that it's going to be better. And, and, and I think the audience is very receptive in that regard. Um, so from all that standpoint, uh, you know, yes, I, I do understand how massive the problems within the program are and have been. And I do understand that they're not just all going to disappear with the snap of a finger. And, you know, this has been going on for 15 years. And, and the, the, the point of view that I come from is I want to see you and everybody else out there in this fan base that we have lived with and been family with, so to speak, for the last 30, you know, 30 years, really, um, I want to see everybody able to experience some of the things that they ex- experienced before here. And, you know, my standard is getting to Charlotte at least three out of every four years, winning, winning your share of the time that you do get to Charlotte, and getting into the college football playoff, you know, every now and then, and, and, and being relevant in college football and Miami has not been relevant in college football for a very long time. And you know, that that's, that's why when I witnessed the way things went last year, that I personally was just absolutely beside myself at what I was seeing. Like I just, you know, it was just, it, it, it's just from the top on down. And I, I was hard on Blake James and, you know, and, and I, and I felt that, you know, that, that, 
that there just needed to be a wake-up call, like, hey, you guys cannot keep doing business like this. And and you know what? To their credit, they've made a lot of changes, and and, and, and they've transformed a lot of things, and I, I think it gives it gives everybody hope going into this season, that this season can be exciting, and that, I mean, this team is not going to be overmatched in any one of those 12 games this fall. I mean, they're just not. Like, they're not playing anybody that you could sit here right now and say they are significantly better, you know, going into nor going last, into the Nor last year. I mean, I, I agree, I right. Win every game. Absolutely. Um, so, look, I, th- I, th- I think it's exciting. Like, I, I, I think it gives you and everybody else something to look forward to this fall. And I think when you look at the way things were at the end of December – I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, it, it couldn't have been looking worse, you know, when you just lost to FIU and Louisiana, you know, got shut out by Louisiana Tech. In, in, I mean, in a nondescript bowl game in Shreveport. I mean, it, it doesn't get worse. That, that, that's rock bottom right there. So I think having something to be excited about is all you can ask for right now. For sure, for sure. And that's what I thought, you know, that's what I thought after the FIU. You know, and I'm like, all right, well, we had two weeks to prepare for the bowl game, and then we get Maddie back, you know, it's just, it's, when, when we thought it couldn't get any worse, guess what, you know, it happened now, but I'm an optimist, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, and, but it's hard, man, it's hard, Jerry, and, and I, I want to buy in, but. It's, 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 I would say, difficult. I would say, dip, you know, dip your toes in the water, have realistic expectations. I mean, not too many teams go from six and seven to the national title. Um, but you've, you've, you've upgraded a quarterback. You've got a new offensive system that's going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, there's some, there are still some gaping holes on this team. I mean, uh, you know, the offensive line to me is still, still an issue. I, I, the linebacker position is as, as thin as I can remember ever seeing at Miami in, in the 40 years I've been around the program. I think there's legit concerns at cornerback. Um, you know, this is not a complete football team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I, I think that there's still a lot to be excited about. I think you've got the best group of defensive ends in the country. Um, you know, I think I think you got a decent group of safeties. Um, I think, you, you know, you got young running backs coming in that might make an impact. You got the quarterback situation, the new offense. So there are things to be excited about. And I think that uh, I would say football season is there for, to, for everybody to enjoy. And I would go into it with a positive attitude. And um, like I said, I don't see a game on the schedule that they can't win. So we'll see. All right, buddy. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the show. And, uh, you know, Kings fans, Hang in there, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a rough couple of weeks here, a couple of months maybe. So uh, you know, get the supplies, hunker down, and uh, watch some old cane games. So keep me on yep, hold yep. and uh, you got it, man. Thanks for calling in. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three is the number. Got a lot of open spots on the board here. Um, much more than usual. Great time if you're. If you your first time caller who hasn't been on the show on a regular basis in the past, tonight's a great night to dip your toes in and and and, and come on board. Um, you, you call five six three nine 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 three six three three and you hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. 
And now we're going to go out to the 786, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Who's this, everything? Yes, sir. How are you, sir? How you been? Been a, been a tough couple of days here, but uh, nonetheless, we're getting through them. Yeah, everybody's really... Uh, Really, really rattled by this. Understandably, I mean, this is this is really this came out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, I know I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. So, um, well, my you know, all we can do is weather, weather through it, right? That's all you can do, you know. Uh, but I, I appreciate the break from reality. A couple of weeks ago, I, I I reached out to you and I asked you, hey, when's the next show going to be on? And we we're just getting started with. Uh, with spring practice, and then we pushed practice back a day due to the death of the father of uh, of uh, Mr. King, and uh, you know we we got off to a real quick start. And one thing that I that I tried to emphasize to you that was a concern of mine was how we were going to deal with the tempo, top to bottom. Whether you're you know fifth year senior coming in, a fourth year senior, a true a true freshman. How are these kids going to be able to adapt to the speed of not just, you know, not just when they're scrimmaging, but every drill and every snap and everything is done so calculated. Um, you know, the guy that worked out at Arizona State, uh, he's got a, a fantastic resume, uh, Coach Like, and a lot of people aren't truly aware of how lucky we are to have that guy. That guy can be a coordinator anywhere in the country at this stage. The guy's got a great mind for the game. He's a great teacher. Uh, the people that I've talked to have mentioned that, you know, he's, he's one that won't be here long. Uh, he's that good. But um, my concern was the speed and how these kids were going to adapt to the speed offensively and defensively as a whole. And, and I was uh, wondering what you were able to see while you were out there. Well, I, it looked – it looked uh, like an adjustment, uh, you know, at the beginning. But if it's not good enough, they stop and then they they restart and, and get it going again. So, um, you know, I, I think that they've, you know, it, by the time they got to practice three and four, I thought that they had adjusted to it pretty well, and it was it was looking, you know, remarkably polished considering everything is 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 totally new, you know. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it. I think I think they they very clearly adjusted to the new tempo. And um, if there's if if there was any concern at all, honestly, it was that the offense was almost looking too comfortable. You, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder. They're putting in a new system. They've never run the plays before. Uh, even Manny Diaz at one point said that he was shocked uh, at how good I think he was talking about an inside running play was looking and how polished it looked for early in spring practice. Well, when you're putting in a new system, new coordinator, new quarterback, everything, nothing should be looking polished on offense, you know, two, three, four practices in. So like if there was anything to be concerned about, that would have been it for me, but they looked pretty seamless. I mean, they, they really did. They, they looked like they, they clearly had done some work on it before they got to practice, you know, in, 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 in the days leading up to, to the start of spring. You know, I, I want to attribute something here to the coaches of South Florida that have been doing this since, uh, oh, I'm going to go back all the way since Ja'Cory 
uh, started playing and, and getting his rhythm down at, at Northwestern. We have gone to this as a, as a community of football in South Florida the last 20 years. This is what we've been doing. This is why it's been such an easy adjustment. And one person that you mentioned from the recruiting standpoint, he's in as an offensive analyst, Gary, but this is what Tully Lockett was doing. This is what Tully took over to, uh, to, to Oregon State when he went out there. The, the spread and the simplicity of things and just pushing the tempo, that's all that this really – that's all we were in need of. And when you look at these kids that flourish in this, this is what they know especially the kids from South Florida. Now, how many kids from South Florida do we have right now on this roster on the offensive end? And then it all kind of makes sense. So I've always mentioned to you since the Al Golden days, you know, we we keep trying to take that square peg and put it in a round hole, and a sucker won't fit. You can try to squeeze it in there, but it's not going to fit. What these kids had to undergo was, a, a, a total transformation of everything that they understand, everything that they knew. Because all they're doing, Gary, especially now in the last six years, seven years, seven on seven, is playing fast. So we're finally in a situation where these kids have a good comfort. They're in a comfort zone. And when you're in that zone mentally, everything seems to function at a better rate. You look at a couple of the offensive linemen. Uh, that mentioned, hey, how quickly they've been able to adjust to it. Has been, there isn't a ton of execution that needs to be done other than hold one, two, and the ball's out, you know, out the quarterback's hand. That's the transition that we're undergoing right now, and I think, you know, despite what we've had to cancel things here with, with spring ball and all that, but I think we finally found something that fits these kids. It's part of their DNA. It's part of what they've been conditioned to do for a long time. So I think that's why it was looking that way on day three, especially on day four. Well, I mean, the, the, the kids, and, and I'm sure they don't have the whole offense installed at this point, obviously, but the, the kids were very consistent in saying that it was very simple for them, that they weren't having a hard time remembering the plays. There was much less – for them, the process. And, you know, the funny thing is like a year ago, we were throwing parades at the arrival of Dan Enos. And and the biggest thing was that he was bringing motion into the offense. And I remember that booster gathering they had on the Miami river right after Dan Enos was hired and he's coming off the boat and all the fans that there were at the, I think it was called the wharf or whatever. And they, the the coaches pull up on this big yacht and all the fans are sitting there yelling motion, motion, motion as Dan Enos is getting off the boat. And um, you know, it was such a big deal to everybody back then. Well, you know, now it's a whole different deal. You you don't really have a lot of, you know, you don't have, I haven't seen any motion in this offense. And uh, you know, I don't know if there will be when the final product is fully installed, but it's just line up and go. And the the kids, you know, I guess, you know, they have their various options and, and they feel like they know what they're doing. And it, it really was as, uh, as seamless as you just described it. I mean, it really, really was. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how, as they expand the packages and, and things that it, it continues to look as we get into the fall and stuff. But, uh, it absolutely was. I mean, it did look that way, like what you said, like they had been kind of running this offense for their whole life. Well, and I, I want to point out that 
you know, from an organizational standpoint, you mentioned all the changes he had to make. I, I will always convey to you that he was never my choice. I still don't think he's the right guy for the job. But I do, I do applaud his effort. He's got to learn now that he's got all these people around him to trust, but to also, when you see something you don't like, that term of accountability that you invoke. We, we cannot have any more Jeff Thomas situations anymore. No. That, that can't happen. We can't have any more Jaron Williams situations anymore. Those things cannot happen. Why? Because it's such a simple system to run. Gary, you know, my granddaughter can go in there and be the fourth-string quarterback if need be. And she can throw a ball 20 yards, okay? So it's not that difficult anymore. You, you cannot cater to the kids outside of what they're required to do. Once you start with the exceptions, we will fail once again. So I hope and I pray that he's been able to grow as a head coach, grow as the head man in charge, and make tough decisions regardless of whether you've got 74 kids or 78 kids out there or 81 kids out there. You know, you've got to eliminate the cancers because that has been the biggest issue that I have seen in two years. So what I would like to see is not Alonzo Heisman, but we went with Ed Reed. Not my choice either. Okay? Not my choice. I want a guy who's here every day. I don't need a guy who's here every once in a while, but when he's here, everybody's taking a shit. I don't need that guy. I need the guy who's here every day watching every practice to be able to say, this is what I saw today, okay? And, and I think Ed will give us some of that, but it won't be a consistent effort. And, again, it was on – Well, it was, it was to appease Manny, and I get it. But you and I both know one of the best guys we have that understands football. There's three of them, okay? There's three. Alonzo's one of them. Dan Morgan has become that second guy, and quickly will – in a few years, he'll be a GM somewhere. This guy is learning how to run an NFL franchise. The guy understands talent and understands how to get the most of your talent. And then the third guy I see is Ed. But Ed has to make a full commitment here because if he doesn't, it'll lose weight as we go. Well, I as saw the skill sets goes, different. They, the, the skill sets are different. Like what what Ed, what Ed's going to do to me is different than than. I mean, I mean Alonzo might have done some of that, but I just I saw Alonzo doing so much to help the infrastructure of the program, and you know I, I understand Manny was concerned that Alonzo was coming in and wasn't his guy and had board of trustees connections and things like that, and he didn't want to feel like he had somebody looking over his shoulder probably. And, you know, you, you know, you can, you can rationalize all the different reasons why Manny probably wasn't comfortable with, with that whole concept, but like, you know, look, if they don't win, there's going to be changes anyway. I, I mean, like to me, it was like this guy could have come in and, and really helped um, build up the infrastructure of the program, which my personal observation was that it needs to be built up. And, and it needs to be better than what it is. And um, I, I just think that's totally different than what Ed Reed would have done. I would have hired both of them. But, you know, that's me. And, 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 and you, know, you know, you and I or whatever, we might have, you know, opinions that we think are pretty good, but we're not the ones holding the keys. 
So, you know, I, I look, like I said earlier, any role that Ed Reed plays is going to be great. He's that kind of guy. He's, you know, he's that kind of dynamic human being. Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely impact us in a positive way. Um, I don't want to give you that impression. Um, in terms of where we're at from an organizational standpoint, we're all going in a certain direction, and I like that. I, I, I think that's pretty clear. Kids are buying into it. Uh, from what we've seen. But all the things that we see from now until when the season starts, it, it, it Manny hit the nail on the head. you got 300 of the programs in this country doing the same damn thing, trying to get to that same spot, all trying to go one direction. These kids have to take it to the next level. You know, it's that, in, it's that inner accountability that, you know, hopefully, I mean, I know right now with this virus, they can't be doing anything, but you know, I'm hoping they're getting together somewhere and doing something because this No, they're not. Class. They're all home. Right now they're all home. Yeah. Taking classes online. I hope they're not getting fat and sit on the couch and watching Netflix like the rest of us are. They yeah. really have to go ahead and, and put the time in, and we'll see what we have. But I'm I'm of the thinking that we will be playing our best ball come November. Uh, we might struggle in a game or two here and there, I think. But I think we'll play our best ball in November. And not gonna not gonna be able to wait that long. Everything, <laughs> not gonna be able to wait well, that long. They they're gonna have to be playing from the from 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 the get go. You know what, Gary? You still win games. You know, because that's the facade. We you know we well, we won. Well, but, but how you execute? How are you dealing with when a team takes away your best strength? How are we dealing with third and fifteen? Okay, well we turned the ball over. You know. By pure happenstance, you know, we just turn the ball over. Things happen in this game. How do they respond to the adversity in the game? And and you can you can put a bunch of Hall of Famers around you, but until that inner accountability, you know, takes possession over you and your mentality on every freaking snap, we can't. We really don't know where we're at. I, I think that we'll get there. I think we'll be there come November, late October, November. I'm not saying we won't, we won't be. Undefeated. I'm not going to say that won't be the case. That could be the case. But executing at the highest level and trying to get to that ACC championship—that's that's really what for me. That's where I'm hoping we're, we're headed. Uh, the coastal is wide open. Any everybody's going to be pretty decent. There's no doubt. North Carolina's going to be good. Um, you know, we we saw that last year. But uh, I think right now he's done all he can do. But it comes down to show me, show me. Not just him, but these kids have to show them. You know, and it's every freaking snap and practice, Gary. So hopefully we're going to be there come, come November, December. We'll be playing at the highest level and having a shot for a good bowl game. Yep. All right, man, you got any other thoughts we, for us? Last thing I want to talk about was recruiting. Uh, you know, the impact of where we're at, of the current situation, Kids are no longer allowed to be on campus, correct? Uh, right now, no. No, they you know they're going to have to look at all the, all this because all these kids that would would have visited during spring practice now aren't visiting. So um, we'll have to see what, what they come up with here for the you know the latter part of April and May and, and June. My my opinion is kids that visited the Clemson and the LSU's and the Alabamas and we're waiting to come to us here at the end, 
that is going to be tough to overcome because those impressions have already been made and they're long-lasting impressions. So the impressions that that stick with you, you know, the next two or three months, that mm-hmm. concerns me. What does have me somewhat excited is seeing a little good news coming down from the Goulds and Richmond Heights area regarding a couple of players from Palmetto Senior High School. Uh, I'm hearing that that is not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination, and there are certain moms that prefer to drive an hour to watch their kids play. Gary, have you heard the same? What, that the, you, you mean that those kids, that the moms want them to go to Miami? Uh, there's, two, there's two moms that want them to stay home, and I'm not talking you, about the kid that's currently committed to us either. Who are you talking about? Uh, Marshall mm-hmm. and defensive tackle. Your mm-hmm. moms would love to watch them here, keep them here. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a matter of, of I, I, th- I think they got to win in the fall. I, I, you know, I, I think if they win in the fall and they show they've got the program moving in the right direction, that they have a chance to get a couple of those kids. Um, but, you know, right, right now, um, you know, Mar- Marshall, you know, I would say of the kids that are in the top 100 in the rivals rankings, um, I would think Marshall would probably be the one with the best chance of ending up in this class. Um, loves Rump. Loves Mike Rump. Yeah. Very – so, if, you, if you look at them side by side, Gary, you, you take a picture of Mike Rump when he was 18, 17, and you look at the frames, they're pretty identical, aren't they? So we'll see, but you know they're going to have to they're going to have to show people that they've got the thing headed in the right direction. I think you know I I I think that uh, you know I don't think kids are just going to blanket say I'm going to Miami. You know that that have all these other options. Well, you you know I'm never one to look at that schedule and say that's a guaranteed W. You know because I've coached before, so I know nothing's guaranteed. But when mm-hmm. I look at this schedule. I think it's even more favorable than last year's schedule. And given the learning curve that Manny has gone through, surrounding himself with these people, and lastly, running an office that these kids have been running for the last since they grew up, you know, that's what they've been running. I think those, all those things are coming together at the right time. Uh, what, what touches that have in spring ball and the scrimmage, obviously, but all the other things are, are going in the right direction. Um, I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm not going to tell you right now we're going to go eight and four or ten and two or anything like that because I, I I just I don't know enough about what we got. But the opportunity is there more so than it was last year, Gary. I don't know about that. I think it's comparable. <laughs> I mean, the schedule was pretty favorable last year too. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we we went into that season saying the same thing. There's not a game on the schedule that they can't win, and they went six, you know six and seven. So. Without question, that's the case this year. We'll just we'll just have to see how it plays out. No doubt, Gary. No doubt, Gary. Be well, All right, man. Friend. Well, thank you as always for being part of the show, and uh, you know we'll probably uh, do it again once we get to the fall. I would think the way things are going right now. But I, you know, I just wanted to throw a little show in tonight. I know everybody's distracted, but uh, I think uh, people will enjoy at their leisure. Uh, having some Canes football discussion to to listen to. So uh, thank you for being part of it. No doubt. Thank you for giving this opportunity to all of us loyal Canes fans. Take care, Gary. God bless. You got it, man.
All right, 563-999-3633 is the number, 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I know some people have been uh, sending a note in saying that they've been having some some issues with the with the phone lines uh, tonight. Uh, I would say, you know, keep trying. Uh, you know, we, we have had a few of these guys obviously have gotten through, uh, but apologize for those technical errors. And in the meantime, um, we're going to go out now to um, Matt Shodell, our managing editor at canesport.com, and, and get some of his insight into some of the things that he's been seeing out on the practice field. Um, hopefully the phone's working and, you're, and he's there. Matt, Matt, you with us? I hope so. All right. It's working. Well, you got through. <laughs> but right. yeah, a lot of people have been hitting me and saying, uh, having a hard time, yeah. having a hard time getting in. But um, anyway, let's um, let's you and I uh, sort of touch on some of these topics here and and and, and get get your insight. Um, we haven't had a Kane Sport live show since the after, since right after the bowl game, and at the beginning of the show, I talked about so many of the different changes that had taken place and, and the way that Manny Diaz had not been in denial about what caused the problems of last year. And um, really there, there, there's been certainly enough for people to grasp onto and, and create a little bit of an excitement level here um, as they look forward to the 2020 season. Yeah. I mean, it's been pretty amazing what, <laughs> what the perception has been since the season ended and everyone wanted Manny Diaz and Blake James fired to now where they're like, okay, let's give them another chance. Um, and I think they've taken advantage of that chance. And the reason they're getting a chance is they've made a lot of moves that fans want. You know, it's interesting in the past, Miami coaches have typically done what they wanted to do. And with Manny Diaz, it yep. seems like he has his ear to Twitter and what fans want and he's doing what they want him to do. And that bought him some time. So, you know, I, you know, you never want fans to run the program, but I think a lot of the moves we've made are good moves. And, um, you know, again, we had a lot of optimism entering last year. We had a lot of optimism entering some of the seasons in the last 10 or 15 years. So, like, I'll believe it when I see it type of deal. And I think fans should have the same approach. But, I mean, the Eric King and the new offense and the defense that probably won't be as good as last year, but should still be one of the best in the ACC. I mean, they had an easy schedule. There's no reason they shouldn't win 10 games. But, again, we said the same thing at the time last year. So, yep. you know, uh, well, we'll just have to see. In, in this case, I think the fans know better. The fans knew what the heck they were talking about because everything that the fans wanted, everything that Manny has done, whether he did it for the fans or not for the fans or whatever, I, I think is exactly what the doctor ordered. Um you know, I've talked about how I personally would have done even more, but that's that. You know, that's a matter of personal opinion. It's Manny's show; he gets to make those calls. But um, let's talk about a couple of them. Let's start um, with move number one: firing Danny Nose. Your your thoughts on that decision? I mean, he 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 obviously thought Danny Nose was the guy, and he made a mistake. I mean. It, it, it's it, he. It, if Manny Diaz wasn't fired, you know, Danny Nose had to go. So there was really no. I mean, there's no thought other than the fact that it had to happen. When Danny Nose was hired, I thought he was a good hire. When Rhett Lashley was hired, I think he's a good hire. But like to me, you know, fans always, or actually my friends always ask me this. Like you can run any offensive system you want. If you take the 2001 Miami Hurricanes and run any offense, pretty much. They're going to mm-hmm. win all their games. Like, you can't replace talent. So it's all gimmicks now. And, oh, you know, will they get more re- skill position recruits with this kind of system? They will, but only if 
they do well this year, and the receivers aren't great this year. You know, Brevin Jordan has to be healthy. They have to use the tight ends in a particular way. The run game might not be particularly good with, a, with an offensive line that's probably not going to be one of the better offensive lines, even in the ACC. There's a lot of question marks on offense. And uh, it's not really that different an offense in terms of personnel than they had last year. Maybe on paper it might even be a little bit worse uh, other than the addition of Derek King. So, um, you know, there's question marks there. Can a, can a scheme fix those question marks? Everyone's like, okay, well, this will fix the offensive line problem because now the offensive linemen don't have to block. Well, that's not really true. I mean, Derek King was sacked 10 times in four games last year running the same kind of offense. So there's still a lot of question marks. You can't just blanket statement and say, okay, the offense is going to fix the personnel problems. But to me, that's not really how it works. You have to have the talent. The kids have to be able to be coached. They have to want to be coached. They have to have the right attitudes. And there's so much other stuff besides the scheme that goes into this that is still, to me, a concern. Well, they, they clearly have upgraded a quarterback. I don't think anybody will argue that. Um, well, you know, King, King I, I, would, I would argue no other position is better, I mean, than last year. You know, you can see the offensive line got a good freshman and they're a year older, but it's the same freaking personnel, right? The receiver position is arguably worse. Tight end's the same. Um, and, and running back lost D.J. Dallas and has no depth. And you could say the couple of freshman running backs are going to be the answer, but, I mean, they're freshmen. Like, when's the last time you wanted a freshman running back carrying the load? So, so I would argue that's the only position on yeah, offense and, and better I, than a year ago. And last year the offense wasn't very good. Yeah, no, you could, you certainly make a legit point. I think you could look at defensive end and say you got, you're hoping that the combination of Roche and Phillips is better than Garvin. Uh, you know, I think that's possible. But linebacker is going to be significantly worse. I mean, the guy you're counting on the most, Zach McLeod, couldn't get on the field hardly when Pinckney and Shaq were there. And Shaq and Pinckney are now gone. You, you got all these young kids that they couldn't even participate in four spring practices that you're going to be counting on the play some. Um, linebackers is bad of in, is as bad of a situation as I said I've seen in my 40 years at Miami. And I think there's questions of cornerbacks. So you're making great points. Uh, and yeah, but changing the, the, schedule, the schedule alleviates it all. So, like, you know, I, I'm trying to keep it real and not be like everyone in the spring, it's easy to say, oh, they're going to be great, they're going to be great. You know, it's not to me, that's not how it works. But with all of, of the stuff that you said and I said, the schedule alleviates everything. There's not a single game on the schedule that, like, I'm worried about other than maybe FSU. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's just no good teams they play all year. It's going to be the most it's, – honestly, it's the most boring schedule I've seen in a long time in Miami. But maybe that's what they need because – when they win 10 games this year, it's a horrible schedule. Just like um, when Mark Rick won 10 games with a team that wasn't, you know, a team that should have won 10 games. Uh, it could be the same case this year. Maybe that'll help them to get some recruits, you know? Yeah, well, um, you know, you talked about the new offense and will it help recruiting. They're going to have a great litmus test uh, this year for sure uh, with Ja'Cory Brooks at Booker T. Washington. He's one of the top receivers in the country. And to me, um, that – recruitment right there is just massive, you know, for, for Manny Diaz and Rhett Lashley. I, I, you know, that, that's a kid you cannot let leave South Florida. And, uh, you know, I think if they win, they got a chance, but, uh, you know, we could talk about Corey Collier. Um, you know, we talk about James Williams. We, you you know, we, uh, those, those guys, Marshall uh, and Taylor, obviously Palmetto and all that. We could talk about all those guys. To me, the big deal is Ja'Cory Brooks because he's a receiver. You just change your offense to cater to guys like that from Dade County. Uh, and, you know, to me, they got to get him. But uh, we'll talk more about that down the road as, as recruiting gets into the nitty gritty. Let's uh, circle back now to the hiring of Rhett Lashley. And um, 
give us your initial impressions. Uh, we had a chance to watch a little, you know, a little bit of practice here that week. Uh, your thoughts on what you've seen so far from what Rhett Lashley is doing out there with the new offense? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I like his personality. Um, you know, he seems to to really sort of get after it and and sure these players are doing things perfectly. Um, the guys were, I've never seen this before in Green Tree, but they were sprinting off the sidelines every time they switched units, um, getting right up on the ball and just snapping it. Like they were, <laughs> there was no looking at the defenses or nothing. They were just like literally just go and snap, go and snap, go and snap, which was interesting. Um, now, a slight concern is that one of the players told us that the playbook could be learned in, I think he told us, what was it, in, in, uh, less than a week or a week. I can't remember the exact amount of time, but whatever it was, it was a ridiculous amount of time um, making it sound like it's a very simplistic playbook. And I'm hoping obviously it won't be quite so simplistic in the fall. And the player also said that Danny knows his playbook was way more complicated, but you know, the problem is if it's, you know, if an offensive player can learn the entire playbook in a week, well, a defensive coordinator could probably pick up quite a bunch of things off film. Uh, but with that said, I mean, at SMU, it works fine. Uh, this is a different type of program. It's different types of defenses with different skilled players. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if it could just, you know, translate right over. Um, this could either be a really good offense or a total disaster because um, if the offense falters, I mean, they're going to falter in a matter of 30 seconds to a minute, and now the other team's going to have the ball the whole game. So, I mean, it, it could be a total disaster if this hurry-up attack just goes three and out and three and out and three and out like last year's offense would have. I mean, can you imagine if last year's offense was running a hurry-up the whole game? I mean, Miami would have lost some of these games, you know, 58 to, to 14 or whatever. So, uh, we'll, we'll see um, how it plays out. And with Manny Diaz being so defensive-minded, I'm not sure if there won't be some sort of a disconnect if things don't go well from the start. In other words, if Manny Diaz sees his defense is getting totally worn out, I can see him going to Red Lashley and saying, you've got to slow it down. My guys need a breather. And that's not the Red Lashley offense that Red Lashley wants to run. And that could be a problem. So, I mean, I'm just you speculating. Know what? But- You're making a great point, and, and, and I've thought about that. You know, the defensive head coaches – don't like it when their defenses are being shown up. And, you know, now you're taking this defense that, I mean, clearly has a major gaping hole in the middle. I mean, there's no quite there. That's undeniable. I mean, the, 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 the situation at linebacker is just, you know, unbelievably questionable. And imagine if Zach McLeod wasn't part of it. I mean, woof. But um, what happens if they can't handle – those extra reps that they're going to be out on the field because the game is, is, is moving so much quick. Like, you know, if the offense doesn't get it done, they're, they're on and off the field, like you said, in a minute. And, and the defense is going to probably have to defend the extra plays itself. So that's going to be interesting if, if it ends up happening. And it's definitely going to be a, a storyline at times next year, possibly. Um, but I think, you know, as far as, fans are concerned and, and everybody is concerned. I think right now you got to hope that Rhett Lashley and De'Ara King can make that big of a difference. And with the level of competition that they're playing, they, they might just be able to. I mean, um, which I guess will lead me to the next topic, which is King. I mean, you, you look at him, um, you know, you've seen the highlights on YouTube and you know how athletic he is and, and how dynamic he can be with the ball in his hands running it. Um, but man, he's little Matt. I mean, I, I don't think he's taller than Tate Martell. Yeah, but that doesn't bother me in this kind of offense. I mean, he's going to be moving the pocket. You know what that, I mean, honestly, it's probably a good thing that he won't be able to stand behind center and just look for guys because he won't be able to see over the linemen because with this offensive line, I mean, they need to move the pocket almost every single snap. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be pretty painful. Um, 
it's it's aligns the same as last year in terms of lack of production with giving up those 51 sacks a year ago. Um, so uh, the, the trend is towards shorter, more mobile quarterbacks. You know, the, the days of the six foot four drop back, drop back, strong arm QB are, are changing. Um, you know, he is the shortest quarterback. He looks at the same height as Tate Martell. At five, I think that's him at five eleven. But I mean, we saw them standing right next to each other. He's not taller. He's not as tall as Tate Martell. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's five eleven. I don't think either one of them is five eleven, Matt. I don't think either no, one's five eleven. Give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt say five ten. But he's, you know, there's a reason why he was a receiver and a kick returner when he got to college. I mean, he's not what you see as a quarterback, but. But, you know, but when when you watch him play, he's a gamer, and he makes plays, and that's what Miami needs. Like they, And they need a leader, and this, this guy, I think, has all the intangibles. Um, I only saw him in the four practice, the amount we were allowed to watch him. Uh, I, I, all I saw were good things. I mean, I'm super excited about Derek King, you know, and, you know, and don't let anyone think that, you know, what I'm saying is meant to, like, not be optimistic. I'm very optimistic. But – you know, there are all the red flags based on the past numerous years where we've had the same optimism, optimism, optimism. So I'm just pointing out some of the red flags, but certainly Derek King is not one of those red flags. I mean, he's a green flag. He's just going to go, go, go. You know, I I think he's going to be great. You know, I think we're, I think we're both in the same boat. We're both optimistic, but we understand that this is not a slam dunk. Like this is not like, there's no guarantees in any of this. And, um, but you did say one word and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show when I was talking about some of this stuff and you mentioned leader and leadership and, um, last year's team had a just unbelievable void in that department on the offensive side of the ball and, uh, and King, unquestionably from the second he stepped foot on campus brings that to the table and and that alone should make this a better football team. The fact that they have a leader now on the offensive side of the ball, um, the question is going to be who's going to emerge as the leader on the defensive side, but that's, that's another subject because, you know, your, your guy who was Shaq for the last couple of years is, is, is not there anymore. And, um, so, quite, you know, we'll, can Rousseau, that's not really his personality, at least it hasn't been. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, who's going to be the guy on defense that's going to step up and be the leader. Maybe it'll be like a Bubba Bolden or, or you know, or Gervin Hall or somebody like that. But uh, as far as King's concerned, the leadership is going to be unquestioned. Um, and the thing that I noticed was that when we were watching individual drills in practice, he really looked rather, rather ordinary. Like, he didn't really stand out. Uh, very, very much. But when they went live and, and started doing 11 on 11 work and, and, and started running plays and it was game on, that kid took it to another level. And, and he, he can deliver the ball accurately. And the thing I noticed that they're focusing a lot on is getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So um, I, I think there's an understanding of the offensive line. And I, and I think they're looking for a, a quick passing game and, 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 and to just to get the ball out and try to get it in the hands of receivers and let receivers make plays. So it looked like to me, right. your, your thoughts on that. I mean, yeah, you know, that, that's the idea of, of the whole offense. Um, but, you know, again, it's easier said than done. Like everything we saw looked good. Um, you know, the, the other thing is that I'm really interested to see is when Brevin Jordan gets back, how they're going to use him because they're really only using one tight end sets. I'd love to see if they're planning to use Will Mallory and Brevin Jordan because the receivers may not be very good, you know? So, like, get them both on the field together, stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's still a lot of question marks. It's going to be really interesting in the fall when they get back on the field how this thing looks. Yeah, I think you got to obviously use those two guys. you got to find a way uh, to get them involved a lot 
and often, I would think, regardless of the scheme or the hurry up or anything like that. And so I would be shocked if both those guys weren't a big part of the offense this fall. Um, let's see, what else should we touch on with you? Um, you know, the, the offensive line, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, John Campbell, who, you know, let's be honest, has had a rocky start to his hurricane career. that didn't really uh, come along very quickly. Um, now is being looked upon to be the left tackle that that move kind of came out of nowhere here as, as, as they started spring um, your thoughts on John Campbell as a left tackle um, the move of, um, of um, Zion over to right tackle and, you know, just what that all means for the offensive line. Well, you know, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as desperation uh, in the fact that, hey, there's another coach last year of the same exact guys, and it didn't work, so let's just move them all around, and maybe that'll work. Um, or you could look at it as maybe, you know, Garen Justice, the new offensive line coach, sees something in John Campbell that he could be the answer at left tackle. Um, you know, the problem there is that's the same thing that in practices, the previous offensive line coach, Butch Barry, saw as well, and that's why John Campbell started the first game against Florida and was just – simply awful and never started another game until he was forced to start in the bowl game because of the injury. So he was promptly. Back and, and, and that start so. was on the right side, not the left side. Yeah, so yeah. Correct, correct. Well, obviously, you know, there's something that Garen justice saw that said Zion should not be a left tackle for us anymore. Um, because, you know, every practice is precious. You know, you have only 15 of them. They're not going to put Zion at right tackle just because, you know, coaches always say, Oh yeah, we're going to move guys around. We're going to check them out of different spots, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, we know he could play left tackle. Well, he played left tackle, and he was the worst left tackle, I think, in the nation in terms of giving up sacks. So <laughs> there's a reason he's at right tackle. But John Campbell has sort of this this history now of looking pretty good in practices and just getting just beaten badly in games. You know, I mean, we've seen him. He's not like the most athletic guy. Um, usually in practices, they have been going ones versus twos. So, like, when John Campbell's the first-team left tackle, he's going against the second-team defensive end. Uh, sometimes even the third-team defensive end, he's not going against, as last year would have been the case, John Garvin and Gregory Rousseau. Um, you know, this year it would be obviously be Gregory Rousseau and Quincy Roche. Um, so that might make him look a little better, okay? But we'll see if they do more one-on-ones work. They really weren't doing it in the spring because they didn't ever get to the point where they were taking anyone to the ground or doing that sort of thing. Um, so I think hopefully in the fall – They'll go one versus one. I, I never understand why they always do one versus twos. I think it's ridiculous. Um, in the old days, it was always one of the best first best. That's how they would do it, you know, and that makes everyone better. So hopefully they go back to that and they can see if John Campbell can actually block Gregory Rousseau, can actually block Quincy Roche. And if he can't, find somebody who maybe can or can do it a little bit better, right, because that's the best you're going to see all year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, left to right, they got Campbell. I love, love the move of DJ Scaife to left guard. That's where he has to stay. I don't care how bad the tackles are. I'm done with Scaife at tackle. It's just silly. I mean, he's a great guard, and he's an average tackle. Why would you put a great guard at, at tackle who can't play tackle very well? Um, Corey Gaynor at center is going to be fine. I was a little surprised they didn't have Ja'Kai Clark at guard. They now have a backup center from what we saw. Um, and then at right guard, it looks like they're relying on Navon Donaldson to come back because they had Usman Traore, who's not very good, yeah. at least from what I've seen, and Cleveland Reed, who obviously quit the team halfway through last year, the two guys battling for first-team jobs there. So Navon Donaldson did not look like he was in shape whatsoever when we saw him. He's injured. He didn't practice, but he's got to lose a ton of weight if he's going to be able to play right guard this year. And then um, Glenn Nelson, right tackle. I mean, I think Glenn's going to be fine. You know, it's just it was unfair to him to have to play as a freshman last year. Um, and then, yeah, and then Kylie Herbert and Delonte Hillary, I think, are – sorry, go ahead. 
I said especially at left tackle for yeah to throw yeah, a freshman yeah, exactly. out there. Yeah. yeah, it's brutal. And then Kyle Ann Herbert and Delonte Hillary, I don't think are going to pan out, but uh, they're on the team. Maybe they can make an impact somehow, some way. Uh, from what I've seen, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> you never know. But yeah, so I mean, the bottom line is Miami does not have a dominant offensive lineman. I think Jalen Rivers. Um, I think in three or four years, when people look back at this offensive line roster and they have to say, hey, who was the best lineman on this roster? They're going to say Jalen Rivers, which is a little scary because he just got here. And there's just nobody, I think, that's really that good. I mean, that's well, Jalen's Jay- got to gotta lose weight, though. He's got to lose weight. Well, he I, I hear. I, stronger. As he gets, as he gets yeah. stronger and works out, he'll, he'll get in the weight room. I mean, he just came out of high school, so. Yeah, and um, but he's you know great, he's got a great frame, and he's and he's super athletic for his size, even with a little bit extra weight. I mean, he can move; he looks fine. Yeah, and uh, you know, you talked about Navon. Uh, I mean, it's year four. Come on, man, get like get in shape. Enough already. I, I hear your, I heard his grandfather stepped in and is monitoring what he is trying. Let's not say monitoring. Let's use the word trying to monitor what he eats every day, and. Uh, I mean, but come on, man. It's like, you know, you were a prized recruit three years ago, uh, a guy that was that people thought could, like, help transform the offensive line at Miami, and you've kind of eaten yourself into mediocrity now for three seasons. It's like, come on, man. It's like, get on a diet, get yourself in shape, you know, take the load off your, off your legs a little bit, and, 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 and come back in July ready to go. I mean, you've had plenty of experience. It's like, come on, man. You know, you just want to say, come on, man. Like, seriously, you know, it, it's like, it, it's it's the kind of thing that's just hard to understand. But uh, I hear his grandfather's on the case, so hopefully he has better luck than the the last couple strength coaches and nutrition guys and stuff have had with him because it it just hasn't worked very well. Right. Right. Yep. I agree. All right, Matt. Well, um, any thoughts before we let you go on uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Um, well, I mean, I think we've covered a bit of it. I mean, the defense bench should be great. Yeah, like you said, I, mean, I agree with everything you said. Defense bench should be great. Defense tackles, you know, should be okay. And then linebackers, obviously, an issue. Cornerbacks, an issue. Safety should be good. I mean, but again, it's so hard to tell at this point in the season. Even in the fall, it's hard to tell because <laughs> they're playing against each other. So really, we won't know until Temple uh, quite what they've got, and maybe even beyond that, we'll have to wait a little while to know what they've got. Um, it, it, it's just it's it's one of those seasons where you have the optimism, but you also have the concerns. You know, it's not one of those teams where you can say, "Oh, they're they're so experienced, they're going to be great." I mean, just you're going to have to wait and see. It could be an inconsistent uh, offense. It could be an inconsistent defense. You know, just based purely on paper. So uh, we're going to have to see how they get coached up in the fall and when this thing gets started again. Hopefully, everyone out there stays safe and uh, they'll be good to go. All right, well, one way or the other is going to be exciting. And that's, that's what I was saying to everybody earlier in the show. It's like, you know, what after the way last season ended, uh, all you can ask for right now is something to be excited about, something to look forward to. And, and, I, and I think Manny Diaz has delivered that. And, um, you know, now it's just countdown to September. Hopefully this coronavirus situation is long gone by then and we'll be playing football and uh, get to see how it plays out. So uh, thanks for coming on tonight. We'll obviously do it again in the future and, um, you know, see what happens. Perfect. All right. Thank All right, Matt. Everybody. Thanks, man. He's Matt Shodell, our managing editor at canesport.com. And um, great to always get his in- input on some of these things. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. All right. So the number is 563-999-3633, 563 999 
888-346-3633. Hope some of those uh, phone problems that some of you are experiencing have alleviated themselves. Um, you hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show once you do get through. Um, let's go out now to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, Gary, Gary. Hey, what's up, my man, Ross? It's been a while, man. I missed you. What's going on, man? You caught me off guard tonight, man. I'm like, look down. I looked down my phone. What? I said, damn, I didn't miss me an hour of this show. So you're going to have to catch me up a little bit on what's going on. Well, here's on. the thing, man. It's like, you know, we got, we got this coronavirus thing that's disrupting everybody's lives. And, and it's, it's it, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, I wanted to give everybody a couple months to cool down. You know, it was pretty rough at the end of last year. I think everybody was pretty rattled about what they saw. And, um, hey, Ross, do me a favor. Turn that volume down in the background, all right? So we're hearing we're hearing it in two places there. What are you hearing? But, um, what are you hearing? I'm hearing, we're hearing the sh- the show. What you playing it? Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm really on my phone, so I'm not sure what you're hearing. Oh, okay, so I don't know. You, I don't know. Maybe you're on. I don't know. Whatever. We're getting some bits. All right, don't worry about it. So anyway, oh, so I think everybody was kind of. Go put you on speaker then instead. It might be a bit better. Hold on. Yeah, try that because I'm because I'm hearing the show back in, in the background. But anyway, so yeah, everybody was kind of rattled at the end of last year, and I just thought it would be good to take a little bit of a break from Kane Sport Live, you know, let everybody catch their breath, kind of embrace the changes. And now with the coronavirus thing, I thought it would be good if we had a little show tonight and, and gave, you know, some guys a chance to talk about it and, and, and listen to it and, and stuff like that, and we'll, we'll move on from there. So here we are, and uh, you always have plenty of opinions. So, so talk to us, man. What are, you, what are your thoughts on what's been going on so far in the offseason? Well, here's the thing. I thought about it. I said, I hope he has a show. And I, I didn't look for tonight. I said, man, I, I messed up. I, it's my fault because it's a Tuesday, so I should have expected it. So that's my fault. But here's the thing, man. This is what, this is what I'm thinking. I'm hearing Matt talk early, um, just right now, and he, before he got off. And he, he sounds less optimistic than most of us. But me personally, um, Gary, I'm excited. I don't care if the guy is 5, is 4'11". He's just a quarterback that we need right now. He's the quarterback that we need that's going to run this offense. He's going to show everybody around in the South Florida area and everybody that's paying attention that you could come in if you're this type of quarterback, you could come in and be effective at this type in, in this offense. And I'm not worried about our defense being tired. Our defense need to be in shape anyway. And 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 to take um and to take a part as far as Donaldson on the offensive line, yeah, I'm gonna keep it real with you, man. What what they probably should have done last year, to be honest. It's not put him on the field. Because yeah. here's the thing. If you're out of shape and you're not being ready to, to, to play with your teammates, you don't you don't deserve to be on the field. Well, that was the breakdown in a lot of ways last year. You know, there's so many guys didn't deserve to be out there based on what they were doing and yet they were out there. And and I think that's yeah. I think that's a big part of the reason why the whole team fell apart. Yeah, because if you're not like I said, I'm gonna repeat myself. If you're not ready, we can't play you, and that should have been that's that's how that should have been handled. I mean, these guys, Ross, these guys train virtually every single day. The one thing I didn't understand, and you know, uh, maybe I should have asked the question, but you know, I have so much respect for, um, you know, certainly David Feely and those guys in the strength and conditioning program and stuff. Like it was kind of like the question you almost like would feel bad, like you know, you almost kind of feel bad, but like how. How did Navon Donaldson get so, get so overweight? Like, I don't understand how you can come into a 
a program every day and you're training at 6 a.m. in the weight room and everything else. And yet when you leave, you're eating yourself out of, out of, you know, the, the quality of your play. And how, how was it not caught? Like, I don't, I'll never, I, you know, I didn't understand that. And it was caught, it was seen, it was shown. It was, because guess what? After every game, they go back and they watch video and they watch film. You they see it being knocked on his butt, being slow to the play. If you ask him to pull and get outside on the, um, on the flat, he was not getting out there on time. They see it. But what happens, like last, you said, last year was just such a foolishness that was going on from top to bottom. It, got, it, it just got crazy and got out of hand, and nobody was talking to anybody. And, and, and a point that was made earlier about the linebacker and the, and the um, uh, uh, what do you call it, being a, a leader and a captain, there's nothing against 55. Okay, we're talking about the other 55 on defense. There's nothing against Shaq, but he was a glorified leader. It was one of those, him and, him and the head coach are buddies. They're cool. Let me talk rah, rah, rah. But he was not performing like a leader on that field. Let's just call it what it is. He was, he was effective at times, but it was time that he was being beat on defense. So sometimes you can't lead unless you're performing. That's a reasonable point. I got to tell you, Ross, you come up, you do come up with some good points sometimes, and I think that's a pretty good one. But you can't, because he, he he's the guy that everybody looked forward to talk and get up and and muscle up and show his chest and show the muscle, but it didn't match play. But maybe when he gets to the NFL, they can have him drop some weight, probably switch his position a little bit. Who knows? He might be able to shine. But as far as being on a four-year starter, that was nice. Thank you for that but you didn't perform like a leader to lead the guys. And I don't think there's too much of a gap there, Gary. I think it's going to be a faster um, linebacker crew. I think it's going to be faster. I think they're going to not play around. Once guys get healthy, if you are supposed to be on the field, they're going to put you on that field to be fast. And I think you want to be, it's going to be a faster unit. It might not be an experienced unit, but it's going to be a faster unit. Well, I don't know, Ross. We'll see. I mean, I, I have my major concerns about the linebackers. I know you do, but you always do. But you, but let me ask you, do me a favor. I, I, I missed part of what Matt was talking about. I don't know if he even touched too much of the recruiting part. Did he talk anything about – did he say anything about them Palmetto boys? What's going on with that guy? How, how do we have three or four school every year? We can't get Deerfield guys to come to us. We finally got one. We can't get this school to provide us with players. Now it's Palmetto. Why, what is the problem with those Palmetto boys why we can't get them to commit to us? They're going to Florida. They're going to Florida State. They're taking visits to Georgia. What's going on with the Palmetto guys? Well, I think they have opportunities, and I, I think that they want to feel like you, you, you got to understand, man, they, they lost to um, – FIU and Louisiana Tech, man. I mean, that hurts you. That's going to hurt you. And and you got to get these kids respect back. And they're not going to be able to do it till till they win. I mean, um, you know, let, let, let's be honest. So, you know, I think that's got to come first. Um, and then if they win, I think that, that they'll get they'll have their attention, and then we'll see what happens. Hey, great answer. Here's the thing about this captain that we're looking for. Sometimes having three captains don't work, but if you have a captain for the D-back, a captain for the linebacker, and a captain up front, in a sense, everybody becomes, in a sense, starting to do their job. you got to have a man for each spot. And I think with a guy like Porterman, again, he was such a big face and a big thing. No one wanted to overstep him and not be a leader. So it seemed like he was just – if it wasn't for DJ um, Dallas, he would be the one everybody listened to. And, and uh, like I say, it's played it and match. Gary, look, um, I got so much I got to talk about, but I don't want to hog the phones. 
Um, thanks, thank you for this, man. Because I mean, it's crazy. Let, can I just make one point about the virus? Can I just make one point, please? Here's the thing. I think this is an opportunity for them to really clean up some stuff. We're talking about guys and people that need to wash their hands. People should have been washing their hands from anyway. Anyway, Gary, this this is stuff that people, the grown adults, should have been doing anyway. I heard I heard a parent said the other day on TV on the news he's going to have to trick his young his youngster how to trick him so he could wash his hands. You shouldn't be tricking your son. You should have been already taught them how to wash their hands. Yeah, no. This is nonsense. We got to get. I know what you're saying. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, man. Listen, there's so much I want to talk about, but I'm gonna let other people talk, man. Appreciate you having it all. You should come on next week, Dust Boys, Gary. Don't go, no, don't go away. One more time next week. Nah, we're not. Now, nah, now, we, we, this isn't the right time. It's really not the right time of year to be doing this. I just wanted to throw a show in there to to just let some guys get. Well, can you imagine you know, if we? Could you imagine if we was gonna miss football if it wasn't if, if for some reason this happened where oh we're my not God. gonna get a chance to see King and we 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 we'll feel like we're snake bitten. Because here, the, the final of the year that we have a chance to really do something in quarterback position and be excited, no football. I don't know what I would have done. I that would no, be insane. Definitely. Yeah. Well, look at you. You had a baseball team that, that was considered one of the top baseball teams in the country that now is done. They're done. <laughs> They're not going to play this year. True, true. It's crazy. One more. One more. NCAA, NCAA basketball. I know Miami wasn't going to go far in it, but give me a team that you was, th- you, you was looking forward to watching and see what happened them going forward in the NCAA um, boys um, men's basketball. I get, on, I get off the phone, keep me on hold, but give me a team that you was looking forward to that had a great story that you want to follow a little bit while they go ahead. Just give me that and put me on hold. I mean, they, I, I know it's, it's kind of like almost like, you know, taboo to say it, but I would say Florida State just because of the fact that Leonard was able to take a team that I didn't think was really all that good that Miami almost beat when they played them at home and Miami was very average this year because of all the different circumstances and yet they won the ACC which I thought was absolutely amazing you know so I was I was going to be kind of interested to see how they did in the postseason everybody thought it was um, going to be a runaway train with Louisville everybody thought it was going to be a runaway train with Louisville and, and um, everybody else dominating and you never know that's why when the NCAA starts you never know who won what that's why I wanted to see you to tell me who you thought was going to be a great story my great story Gary I was looking forward to what Rutgers was going to do. I was going to look East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State and Rutgers. I was curious about both both those teams was going to do. I think they was going to knock off some people. That would have that that's the storyline I was looking for, those two teams. Yeah, all right. Um, all right, Ross, well, hey, thank you as always for being part of the show. And uh we'll catch we'll catch up, you know, when the season gets closer. All right, keep me on hold so I can listen to the rest of it. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, I got an open board now. So, uh, you know, now's your chance to, to get in if you want to get in tonight. The number is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. So much has been going on. We've, um, we've touched on a lot of it already tonight. Um, while I wait to see if anybody else wants to jump in on the phones, I'm going to go through the questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. Some uh, some really good ones. So uh, let, let's dive into those. Uh, with the NCAA granting seniors an extra year, does that mean that the Eric King can be here uh, in both 2020 and 2021? The answer is no, unless the football season is canceled too. If the football season is canceled, also, I think you'll hear, you'll 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 tell you'll see the NCAA say 
that seniors can have the option of coming back the next year. But what this does mean is that any seniors in these spring sports who have had their season cut short will have the option of an extra year of eligibility if they don't have pro opportunities and things like that. So, um, you know, that could affect some, some folks and, and gives kids a chance. I'm not sure how the universities are going to feel picking up all the scholarships for extra years. Um, it's going to cause some budgetary issues, particularly when you look at all the, you know, a lot of, there's going to be some lost revenue here and stuff too. So um, I imagine that there's going to be a little bit of a financial strain in some ways, but they're also going to save on things like travel and stuff like that. So maybe it'll balance out, but uh, yeah. So the, the, the seniors in the spring sports will be able to come back an extra year if they so choose. It won't really affect the football players unless uh, the football season is impacted as well. What are some of the positives and negatives that we've seen so far this offseason with the team? Well, I mean, I would say the positives are obvious. The new offensive philosophy and what that has meant to the whole organization, I think, would have to be considered a positive. I think the Eric King is a new quarterback, so badly needed based on what we saw at that position last year. Um, you know, a quarterback with promise, I think that's a positive. Um, I think the refreshed attitude that's been a byproduct of the changes is a positive. Um, a negative, I would say, would be the loss of spring practice and the impact that that has to have on the install of a new offense, uh, you know, I think you'd have to say that that's a negative. And maybe the, the, the biggest negative for me has been the lack of visible advancement in recruiting at this point, um, just because I know how badly that needs to move forward. Uh, you look at the Rivals 100, there's 11 players in the state of Florida that are in the current top 100. And, you know, we know the rankings can change as the process goes forward and all that but if signing day were today i'm not sure miami gets any of the 11 um the closest i would think would be palmetto quarterback uh, jason marshall and um you know that's obviously not a good thing i mean th th this is a a pretty good recruiting year in south florida when you look at guys like tyreek sap at st thomas and Corey collier um to Corey brooks who i mentioned earlier in the show james williams um, Terrence Lewis is kind of flamed out, but he's a well thought of prospect, but I don't think Miami's going to recruit him now. He had some behavioral issues and things that probably have eliminated that possibility. But, you know, this is a, a decent year in South Florida. You got some guys that are considered elite players and, you know, these are the guys that Miami has been missing on for several years now. And it, it's got to change. If, if this program is going to get back to competing for championships, that's got to change. So, like that would probably be my biggest disappointment is that it, it, that right now it's looking like it's going to be more of the same, but to be you know a little positive about it, you know I, I think that if they can win this fall, that maybe that can change a little bit and and they can get in on some of these kids and um, the schedule like we've talked about all night is very favorable and uh, if they can get out of the gate, beat Temple, beat Michigan State, take care of some business in the ACC, win the Coastal then I think they have a chance to get in the game with a couple of these guys. And um, I think winning would start to change the narrative about Miami. And um, I think if Manny Diaz is going to, is going to make it 
here as, as head coach for more than just a few seasons. Um, I think he's going to have to put up that big winning season and then try to build on the momentum a little bit better than they were able to um, after the 2017 season. That, that would be the best that, the way that I could honestly uh, answer that question. Okay, how worried should we be about North Carolina? I think we should be very worried. I think everybody should be worried about North Carolina. They're running their program very, very well right now. They're well coached. Uh, they're, they're recruiting at certainly an equal level to Miami right now. And uh, they clearly look like the team in the coastal um, that will create the most year-to-year problems in, in the short term. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech, you know, obviously beat the Canes last year and is doing some good things under Jeff Collins. Uh, Virginia Tech's still there with Justin Fuente. Um, but right now I would say North Carolina is the one that's running their program the best. And um, so, yeah, I, I would be worried about them. You know, you got to win the Coastal, man. You can't, can't win anything if you can't win the Coastal. So you got to be able to beat North Carolina. Get them at Hard Rock this year, which is a good thing. How does the culture of the team seem right now? Um, I would say it seems much better. Uh, we talked a little bit about that earlier. I think that the changes that have been made have breathed some life into the program and the team. Um, but the stoppage due to the coronavirus thing is, I mean, it's a momentum killer. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's a momentum killer. They had some momentum going, a good feeling going. And, man, it just, it just hit a brick wall with this coronavirus, just like all of our lives. Um, so they're going to have to rev it up again. Uh, hopefully by the summertime they'll get they'll get it cranked up again and and get it going and build some more mo going into the fall. Um, but the culture is better. I don't think there's any question about that, and a, a, a lot to be excited about in that regard. Uh, before I get going further here, I'll throw out the number once again: five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. If the, uh, the phone lines are giving you a hard time and you get a busy signal, uh, don't hesitate to try again. Um, some guys, you know, have been successful getting through, um, but I know that there were some issues there, and we apologize for that. Um, uh, you never never want to have those technical issues. But, uh, yeah, if you're trying to get in here before we uh, call it quits for the night, um, get a little bit more forceful with it and um, try it a few times, and I think you might have some luck, and then hit the number one on your keypad once you get in. All right, next question. Is there a noticeable difference from last year? I would say that there is in the sense that there's a lot of excitement about the up-tempo approach and the challenges of implementing it for the offense and defending against it for the defense. I mean, let's put it this way. It never hurts to have something new. And, 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 and new can kind of give you a, a breath of fresh air. And I think that that's what we're, we've been seeing uh, within the program at, at this point in, in the off season. Um, I just think we have to be a little careful. And, and you've, I, you've probably noticed that tonight in both myself and Matt. Um, we're being a little careful about overselling the expectations. Like, you know, I, I feel like we did that a little bit last year. You know, so much of the, the new Miami, um, I don't know if, you know, we'll call it hype, a lot of new Miami hype and the constant social media boastings and all that of the last off season. And I think that kind of created an inflated uh, expectation atmosphere around the program that contributed to the, the just absolute 
discussed when the team started losing games and it started spiraling downward. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, tippy toeing a little bit this off season. We, we understand that this is a team coming off a six and seven season. We understand that there are still holes in the program, that there still are spots where the depth is not where you would want it. I mean, you look at the defensive end position. Okay. And to me, like that's what a, a position's supposed to look like at Miami. Okay, what that defensive end position looks like right now. That's what every position's supposed to look like at Miami if you're if you're recruiting well and doing your job well and and, and all that. And you know, we we want to see it get back to that for you guys. You know, and and you know, yeah, we we probably come across as a little tough sometimes, and um, you know, not necessarily you know drinking a full glass of Kool-Aid and, you know, maybe this time we're drinking maybe a half a glass of Kool-Aid, but, but, you know, make no mistake, the schedule's favorable. Uh, there's talent on this team. They, 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 there's not a game on the schedule they can't win. So having expectations is, is there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and it is different in, in that way from last year, but uh, at the same time, you got to remember it's a team coming off a six and seven season. And, and, you know, maybe we all just have to manage those expectations a little bit. And, um, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, when you, when you take the Eric King, I, I think he gives you a chance that the additions will be greater than the subtractions, but you look six and seven, you lose Garvin. You lose your best running back in DJ Dallas. You lose your two best linebackers in Shaq and Pinckney, and you lose your best cornerback in Trey John Bandy. And you have not necessarily, other than Garvin, replaced them with comparable talents. You got to acknowledge that. And um, I think you got to hope the schedule, you know, carries over here the way we think it is going to, and that they're able to take advantage of this schedule. Uh, it might be a, a, a little bit tame for us who love big games and the excitement. I'm not sure they're going to have a lot of those, you know, big time moments. I'm not sure you're going to see game day and Coral Gables this year or anything like that. Um, but all you can do is play what's in front of you, take advantage of the schedule, win a lot of games, try to see if that, if you can make that impact recruiting and then move on from there. Next question. How does coach Likens look? Well, I can tell you he's very active on the practice field. And uh, clearly is a guy who knows what he's doing out there. I and mean, this is a guy that, that he's coached up tempo offense. He's coached a lot of football. Uh, clearly knows what the heck he's doing out on the practice field. My concern would be whether um, he's going to be able to move the needle in recruiting. And I don't think we're going to find that out for a bit. Um, like I said earlier, the great litmus test for Likens is going to be the recruitment of Ja'Cory Brooks from Booker T, one of the top receiver prospects in the country. Miami has to find a way to win on that one. And um, obviously, as the receivers coach, Likens will have a very big role in that regard. Um, who is the biggest impact freshman going to be? I think it's going to be Jalen Knighton. I, I, I really do. I mean, when I uh, – the first time I watched this kid on tape after, you know, I, I, 
I well, I guess I was watching his junior tape. I'd seen him a little bit before, but when I watched his junior tape, I just said this kid is really good, and this kid is a must get. Kind of like I'm talking about Jacory Brooks tonight, and um, I, I felt Jalen Knighton was a must get for Miami. It was not looking good for a very long time, and then at the end, they had the coaching change at Florida State, and Miami was able to swoop in and grab him. And I think you're going to see that be a really big pickup. I think that kid's going to be a very good college football player. Um, so he would be the first one I would throw out as the top candidate to be the biggest impact freshman. But another guy, and again, it's only been four practices, but another guy that kind of popped a little bit to me that I like to look up was Keyshawn Smith. And uh, he's that he, he's from San Diego, came out of nowhere, never even visited Miami, um, was committed to Washington State. Mike Leach left. Um, I believe it was Steve Field just took a shot out of nowhere, got a little bit of receptiveness. He and Manny Diaz flew out to the West Coast, and they were able to talk uh, Keyshawn Smith into committing to Miami, sight on scene, signed a few days later, and now he's here. And uh, I like what I've seen so far of him. Uh, you know, he looks like a kid with some skills, and, and uh, so he, he would be another one I would think would have a chance to play as a freshman and um, maybe make a bit of an impact. Have we noticed an increase in team speed? I would say not really, other than De'Ara King. Um, I would say it's comparable. Uh, you know, I don't think it's great. I, I think it's okay. And um, I would say that it's kind of comparable to what the team speed was a year ago. Um, have we noticed an increase or decrease in drop passes during the observation periods that we've had? Um, I will say this. At times last year when we watched practice, drops were an issue without question. I would say in the time that we've watched practice in these four spring drills, I would say drop passes were not an issue. So I would have to sort of uh, deduce that it's, you know, that there have been a de decrease in drop passes just from those observations. Any idea if the NCAA will start fall practice early since most schools have had no spring? You know what? I would have to think something like that's going to happen. I mean, right now, the priority is obviously getting through the coronavirus, keeping everybody healthy, uh, and getting to the point where, like the experts are saying, the curve flattens out, and we get to the point where there's not new cases of coronavirus. And um, once we can get our society to that point, um, then I think the NCAA will start looking at schedules and things like that and start figuring out what they can do. I mean, an idea I personally had was, you know, maybe you can have those three weeks of practice in the month of June, take off the month of July, and then come back in August for training camp. You know, I thought that was something that maybe they can look at. Um, but I'm not sure they're there yet. I, I think they got to see where this corona thing goes and, um, and then go from there. Has the football team been required to leave campus? Uh, the answer is kind of, yeah, they're, they're on spring break. Um, are, are they allowed to stay and use the workout facilities? Right now, they're not using the workout facilities. Right now, they're all home for spring break. Uh, the university has said it's going to online classes. Not sure yet if at some point the football team is going to be allowed to come back and function as a unit. Um, I would think, you know, you've got a lot of those kids need academic support and things that 
you know, it's going to be hard maybe to do remote, um, obviously training in the weight room and things like that. But right now, I don't think they want these guys together. You know, I don't think they want these kids getting coronavirus. And, and I think um, they have a responsibility really to keep that from happening. And when you look at some of these NBA teams and stuff that are having to deal with it and stuff, you're seeing it's obviously very possible. Um, so I would say for the immediate future, it's going to probably stay status quo um, and be a moving target. You know, so, you know, we'll see how that goes from there. All right, guys, I hope you feel like we've covered a lot tonight. Uh, you know, we've tried to touch on a lot of different subjects. Um, that's going to be it uh, for this evening. Um, we're just going to have to just sort of monitor how things go from here. And obviously we'll be covering every bit of it on canesport.com. It's hard to really make a lot of predictions right now. This is uncharted waters, a very unique time. Um, but, you know, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're not uh, going dark by any stretch of the imagination. We'll be there uh, every single day with updates on, on, on canesport.com. We'll be covering rec recruiting. We're going to, uh, going to, you know, touch base with a lot of these kids and see where they're at in the recruiting process. Uh, we created the March Madness game for you guys to, you know, have a little fun with March Madness in, 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 in the wake of missing out on the real, on the real thing. So we'll keep doing that here in the next few weeks. And uh, we'll try to find different ways to entertain you um, as we get through these, um, these, these last couple months, obviously always feel free. Anything's on your mind, just hit us up on the message boards and we'll, uh, we'll have the conversation there. Um, so and, uh, until next time, you know, probably I would think in August when we meet again on Kane sport live, I'll say good night, everybody. <laughs>